Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Overflow, the podcast. Are you filling everyone's cup meanwhile your energy and inspiration is drained? I believe when you move from overdrive to overflow, you have a supply of energy for people around you and all the demands of life so that you can tackle them with ease. Overflow is an experience of being in the zone with all your attention, so much so you momentarily forget everything else. This show is your weekly guide. Let's build a plan for making time for pure enjoyment or being fully absorbed in the complexity of your work or studies because this ambition will fill you up because you're not here to be average, you're here to be awesome. I'm Kimberly Snyder, motivational speaker, student of positive psychology, advocate and champion of people. I'm your cheerleader and your biggest fan. So fill up your cup, savor the moment as we chat and nourish the mind, body and soul so we can respond to life's challenges and find your overflow. is helping leaders internationally unlock our team's diversity through inclusion. She's a mom. She is a graduate of the Ivy Executive MBA program and turns out you were the class's valedictorian and now you have founded Vision Leadership um, and you're also a facilitate, a fascinate certified advisor And really, Melissa, you come to me based on a recommendation and referral from a friend, um, a trusted leader who said, you've got to have Melissa on the podcast. She's inspiring people. She's changing lives. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. So tell us a little bit about Vision Leadership. Vision, so Vision Leadership is my kind of corporate facing um, organization, my consulting group, and I work with leaders to help um, develop their inclusive leadership skills and work with them and their teams to help understand each other, um, build really inclusive, high functioning teams, because I really do believe we talk a lot about leadership being the thing that sets you apart once you get to a certain level and will help you really succeed in your career if you're seeking to be like an executive or higher. I would say that now more than ever, it's not just leadership, but inclusive leadership. We need to learn how to lead people from all different backgrounds, different generations, different styles of work, different cognitive um, differences, all of those things. We need leaders who know how to do that more than ever. And I would say even differences as in some people are face-to-face and physical in the office and some are... Um, so we had a, a, mis, a mishap with the Zoom the other day and we reverted to the traditional phone call. Like but that was like, so e- even the diversity of, yeah, sometimes we want to talk on Zoom. Sometimes it's face to face and sometimes it's a phone call. Like Exactly. And the skills you need to engage people in all of those different ways um, are very different than when you have everybody sitting in the same room. Right. When you when you've got those multi-channel meetings happening and keeping your own bias out of the people that you see in the office every day versus the people who might be remote and making sure that they get equal opportunity and time to spend with you and can make those connections with their peers too is just as important so lots of skills that our leaders need that they didn't have 20 years ago and and don't you think the pandemic has really kind of brought that forward because 
I would say me as an entrepreneur working from home, I did have Zoom and, and phone calls working from home and a year and a half ago, right? Like, gosh, I'd be embarrassed for my kids to be in the background or the dog to be barking. Like I would do everything to like lock them down, put them in the basement, do not disturb. And then the pandemic happened and like, welcome to my living room. I'm actually in a space where, yeah, kids and husbands walk by in the background and like, welcome to my life. And so, I mean, I'm hoping leaders can appreciate, like, I think they've kind of opened their minds to, wow, now I'm actually in someone's living room. Like I'm actually seeing their life. Absolutely. The I always say my favorite thing about the pandemic, I was still in a corporate role for the first year of the pandemic. And my favorite thing about the pandemic is we all became real people. And I think that was so valuable and accelerated this path that we needed to go down uh, and helped us so much. The CFO I was supporting at the time, we were about three weeks in and I was having at one point touch points with him every day or every other day because we were obviously in crisis mode trying to get everybody remote and make sure everybody kept going and things like that. But it was about three weeks in and he showed up again with his suit and his tie and his, you know, in his bedroom. And I said, can you do me a favor? I said, show me your calendar for the rest of the day. Confirmed he didn't have any external facing meetings and said, can you do me a favor? Put on a hoodie. And he's like, why? Like, just put on a hoodie for me, would you? Yeah. And he didn't <laughs> Real. Cause that's what you wear on the weekend. Yeah. Well, and that's what other people were doing too. And we were telling them it was okay. Right. So then three days later we got together and I said, so like, how was your day? Um, he's, and he was still wearing a hoodie. And I was like, so how, like, how's the rest of the week been? And he's like, you would not believe the things people told me. And he's like, I finally know who's okay and who's not okay. They're not all pretending anymore. And I'm like, yeah, cause you're a real person too. Right. Like we need to come together and all just be real people right now. Wow. From a hoodie. That was like, that was it. That's all it took. <laughs> Just do me a favor. Yeah. Cause we, in the beginning, we were all getting dressed up. And then after, after that, we were many pe people, I would even say the teams that I was working with often, they were even turning their cameras off because yeah. they, they were, they were exhausted or they were tired or they just couldn't show up on, on camera all the time. Like, like, it, you know, so and that had to be okay too. I think we went through that. And then I know for me personally, I went through a time where, yeah, I would show up in whatever I was in because I was working 16 hours a day trying to support the leaders that I had under me. Um, so I felt okay showing up. And then for after a while, once it was clear we were going to be home, it was also healthy for me to get up and have a routine and get dressed in my work clothes. And so maybe three out of five days I would be in regular work clothes and that was okay too. But at that moment when we were at the height of everybody kind of not knowing what was coming, it was just so good to be able to relate to people, right? Just to go, we're all people. It's okay if your kid's crying in the background and if you didn't put on a tie today or whatever that looks like. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And you're also working with teams to help them better understand or better become aware of who they are, what their strengths are. Absolutely. I really believe fundamentally that the key to us, you know, really becoming um, better at inclusion is understanding our own difference first, because when we can understand what's unique and different about us and then start to see other people value it, it just we're human beings. Right. So it starts in us and then we're able to see what other people have that we don't and start to value it and even value different communication styles, different because 
when you don't sit back and take that time to really examine it, it's just like they don't think like me and I don't like that, right? <laughs> Whereas if you can really start to work through people, what that shows up like for you and that shows up different and how why that's a great thing, why that means they're going to catch things you're going to miss and you're going to catch things they're going to miss. Like it really, really starts to help bring a team together and it even helps opening leaders' minds when they're making hiring decisions. Stop trying to hire for this culture fit and I like to say let's hire for culture add. Because fit means it's already something you've got. Let's add something new. Ooh, raise the bar, Melissa. Oh, that's great. Uh, hmm, you're talking to me, an HR professional who does hire for culture fit. Well done. Culture <laughs> ad. Okay, I can change my language. So yeah, tell me more about that. Because you're right, leaders, well, humans, we like to be with people that are like us, laugh at the same jokes at us. Um, love the same, you know, bags or shoes or fat, like all, all the things. And so, yes, we have to be conscious about hiring choices that we don't have a bias in our mind and that we're not, because how fun is that, that we hire all the people um, sitting around us that look like us and think when like us. So you create a team of mini me's and by doing that, you create an ineffective team, right? They're not they're going to see things exactly like you are. So they're not going to be able to challenge you to think different. And you're not right. going to be able to challenge them to think different. When you hire someone that you would love to go shopping with or to lunch with or for beers with or whatever that looks like, that means you're hiring more of the same, right? And what you really need is to surround yourself with people that think different than you. And that's how you get an innovative team. That's how you get a team where, you know, you reflect your customer base or your client base, whatever that looks like. If you get all people that look like you, you can only serve you. You can only right. serve people that look like you. That's right. And that only lasts so long. You're exactly right on innovation because I, I'm i already there at the table. That leader, she's already sitting there, right? So she has her ideas. She has her experiences. So I, we've got that covered. And now we need others at the table to challenge and push and stretch. And so tell me more about this culture ad. Tell me more. Yeah. Culture ad, again, is just that. Like when we go for fit, we are fundamentally feeding our own bias. We're thinking about people who it's going to be easy to get along with and it's going to be easy to have conversations with. But real progress, real change, real growth comes from challenge, right? It comes from people asking you to do something you've never done before. Um, and when you, again, surround yourself with people who either think like you, like have the same background as you, have the same style as you, then you're not going to be covering those bases. You're going to be getting you know, more of what you've already got. When you go for culture ad, you look around your table and you think, okay, what don't I have versus, you know, how long did they work at this company and what education do they have? And those things are important too. And there's a certain amount of table stakes, of course, but it's like the old argument where, you know, when you said, you know, um, maybe an executive team doesn't have any females or it doesn't have any women of color or people of color. And the argument has always been, well, I'm not gonna hire the second best candidate just because they're X, Y, Z. But my challenge to organizations is when you look around the table, what do you need? You don't need more of what you have. So second best qualified based on what, right? Like what are your, what, it, what gap are you trying to fill on your team that you don't have, right? Qualified based on, did they go to the same Ivy League school as you? Did they do this? Did they do that? You don't need more of the same. You need to evaluate when you have a vacancy, when you have an opportunity to bring someone new into your leadership team, they need to be bringing something different. And that's who the most qualified person is. 
So they're more qualified because they have a different perspective and they have Brilliant. something that they can teach your team. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, because that's exactly it. The leader, she or he may not realize when she looks around the room, oh, I see diversity. But you're right. When we when we really lay out um, individual strengths, things like education, their background. Yeah. How much do we have that's really actually similar Mm -hmm. and how much. I guess how much time have they invested the hiring manager, how much time has she invested in thinking about, so what do we really need? Right. If, if we're going to think creatively, innovatively, if we're going to move forward, brilliant. Yeah. Very and good. Kind of push pull of networks. Cause if you look at your network, whether it be on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever, and you can scroll through and it, it looks like you, and I don't even just mean physically, but background like are they all finance employees are they all right are their backgrounds similar and then when you're thinking about referral hiring are you referring more of the same right so how can you consciously make it so that your network looks different and i do this myself on instagram and on tiktok it's like once a quarter i'll scroll through my instagram feed and go like um you know, white, positive, motivational, straight woman, white, positive, motivational woman, white. And I'm like, this is not okay. I am choosing to sign up for this echo chamber that is more of me. This does not help me, right? So I need to go and purposely fill my feed with people who are gonna teach me something different, who are gonna show me a different perspective, who are gonna make me think about things that might be uncomfortable, who are gonna make me think about my white privilege, who are gonna make me think about racism and whatever that might be. But that's a conscious choice and it's super easy with the algorithms to fall down same, 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 right? So you have to decide you're gonna do it. Oh my gosh, my mind is blown. Well played, well played. What a great, I was thinking, oh, the natural next question is what tips do you have? And here you are. Well, maybe start with LinkedIn and Instagram and you're on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. I I don't watch on TikTok, but I know it was actually a tip that I heard once. It was just kind of a funny joke that if you want to actually know what someone believes, scroll through their for you page and they will show you exactly who they are. Because the algorithm signs you up for stuff that you watch longer, interact with, all of that stuff. So if you see same, 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 this person may have a lot of bias and may not know, like may not be consciously making themselves open to new things, new experience, new people. So one way, right. So one way to kind of shock the system or step out of that unconscious bias is to really look, okay, so um, I was thinking exactly that. So white woman, inspirational, motivational, personal development. And so maybe I notice, okay, yes, 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 yes. I've got that. So right now I'm aware. So now I'm looking for others that are inspiring, motivating, that have a voice that are sharing something, but aren't necessarily. Exactly. Like go go with intent and follow 10 new accounts that don't look anything like the accounts that you um, follow right now. What a great tip. It really does help change your perspective just a little bit, but like we do sign up for this echo chamber and you start to just hear more of the same. And then you're not, you don't really know what's going on outside of your echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're calling it an echo chamber. Yeah. Talk about put a negative spin on it, right? Like to really like make it heavy that's become one though that's what the algorithms are built to do because they're built to give us more of what we want and what we love and what we spend time 
And so that's what happens is it just feeds you more of what's likely to keep you engaged, which is probably stuff you've been looking at for a long time, right? That's just how our brains work. We have to challenge our minds to think differently because there is so much bias built into us that we have to really consciously think about things differently. Wow. Thank you. Wow. That's really, uh, that's, that's, that's really impactful. I think that's um, really like blowing my mind because that's exactly a way um, for us, especially if we're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, like you said, TikTok, um, Instagram, that's a, that's a very quick way for me, for you, for leaders to quickly go to their. So I'm going to put that challenge out to, to our listeners to really like at the end of this podcast, take a look at your social media and see who you're following. And so is that the echo chamber of similar people to yourself? And would you challenge yourself to stretch outside, listen to others, wonder what others are saying or sharing or using their voice to, to speak about? Wow. That's great. What other advice do you have for leaders and teams? What about um, teams and leaders that, are looking for diversity, but maybe they want to influence their leader. So it sounds like you had a, an influential skill over your leader to say, hey, put on a hoodie today and <laughs> you know see, see what a difference that makes. But what about teams um, and leaders who are looking to more senior leaders and they want to influence diversity, inclusion um, conversations? What advice would you have for them? I think a lot of hiring managers kind of at that um you know, first, second, third level of management, uh, really challenging themselves again to to take a LinkedIn course, to do whatever, to read a book about how their bias might be affecting their decisions, whether it be like a really long name that they don't know how to pronounce on a resume. So they keep going. We do these things without consciously thinking about them when we have a split second to make a decision. Right. So really just kind of challenging themselves on that. But for me, the key is like not going out, not making your priority to go out and hire a bunch of entry level people um, to hit your diversity targets. If you haven't set up an inclusive environment and if you haven't enabled your leaders to lead inclusively, you aren't helping anyone. Right. Like you're setting everyone up to fail. And I, I always like to say when I go into organizations and help them review their DNI strategy is like your first target hires should be executive level. You need, if you're going to bring in a bunch of people of difference, they need to look up and see someone that looks like them, right? Or that shows them that this company is really meaningfully trying to address that it's not a group of 10 white older men it making all the decisions right there's still mm-hmm. many organizations that look like that and not all of those men are bad men but I, I, no i agree decisions as a collective they make decisions without perspective other than their own so they're not bad people but they make bad decisions they don't make good decisions because they don't have enough diversity to make good decisions they all nod their heads and agree with the same things because their perspective is very very narrow Mm-hmm. That's a great tip. And I love the idea of creating an environment. So there's one thing to hire diversity. And there's mm-hmm. another thing to actually that maybe that's part of the culture ad is mm-hmm. not just saying, well, welcome to our culture. This is the way we do it. It is add to our culture, teach us, share with us, innovate with us, not just join us and in how we think. 
Right. We're going to hire you for our, your difference and then ask, ask you to think and act like everybody else. Like, that's just silly. Like, that's just so counterintuitive. But that's what we've been doing for a long time. And if you look at organizations like around where we live, generally, because of the population, you will get some diversity, right? But when you look at the same thing has happened with women for a long, long time is you look at that entry level or that supervisor and manager level, you've got a really good split of diversity. And then as you get near the top, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower and you have less and less difference, right? Mm -hmm. And if these are really systems of metocracy, it's impossible that only the stereotypical white male executive is rising to the top like that it just doesn't make sense if you have 100 employees and 50 of them are not that how is it possible at the end of the day your six top leaders are that like that's not there's no possible way that that is based on merit it's it's based on bias and it's based on who's getting the opportunity and it's getting it's based on what your credential like what what is kind of in us to say what high performance looks like it's brilliant it's brilliant. And so you are doing workshops as well as coaching with leaders and teams to help them with their diversity and through inclusion. Exactly. Yeah. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I think um, you're actually just totally raising the bar here. So thinking about um, knowing our own difference first and our value. And I often like to promote um, the one that I like is the Gallup Strengths Finder. Mm-hmm. I do like Fascinate. I have my uh, my Fascinate anthem as well, which I know you love. At the end of the day, I want people, teams, individuals, leaders, I want us all to recognize that, hey, it turns out I'm built differently. I think differently. I react differently. And usually when we do some sort of self-assessment, um, whatever that is, you start to realize, oh, I'm not the same as everyone else in the in the crowd. So I do think there is something with let's start with our own value, our own self-awareness first. And, and as much as our self-assessment results are positive, there's always a warning that if you use them too much, you, right. they could be a negative, they could be a weakness of ours, right? So I love that you start with our own difference and our own value Um, strengths and that it starts with us. I love the challenge around hiring for culture ad. I love, I love that. And that really is a challenge. That's more than just culture fit. I, I love that you've, you've changed the language on that. And then the concept of looking at our network. So trying to make that unconscious bias that we may have more conscious because now we can scroll through and look and we realize, oh, that's right. I can see other inspirational, motivational, self-development white women like myself. Right. And so now, right. but but at least now it's conscious. Now now I can at least make a and conscious choice. And you don't have choice to or, unfollow all of no. them. Like you can just consciously choose to bring some different people into your right into your world, especially if it's um, maybe not actual connections and contacts like if it's you're just choosing which influencers to follow right you have a choice in which influencers you follow 
right? And there are, you know, lots of different kind of influencers you can follow and you can choose to unfollow and you can even take six months and spend some time with this person and then take six months and learn with someone else. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. This, this concept of an echo chamber. And then even just a simple question. I love you, you said it so simply, simply and subtly. You said, how is my bias affecting my decision? So, I mean, that's such a simple question too, where leaders, if they did have a pile of resumes, I can just imagine it, right? They have a pile of resumes and they have names that maybe they can't pronounce or they're not familiar with or are from a different culture. And so even just going through it and then maybe pausing, okay, now I'm going to do that again. And I'm going to wonder how is my bias affecting my decision? Did I just separate the pile based on, oh, too intimidating to say that name or, you know, from a different country that I've never been to. I'm not a, like, I don't know all the right. things. So even just a simple question. And if you asked, you know, and they gave you the honest answer, 95% of leaders would say, I don't do that. We don't know we're doing it. That's the mm -hmm. thing. It's like acknowledging that we, it's so ingrained that we do not know how drawn we are to familiarity. Mm -hmm. Like wired that way so it is really a challenge you have to challenge yourself if you want to do better because you will keep doing the same if you don't and it's not that again you're a terrible person or no you're thoughtless or you like if you asked anyone they would say no of course i would hire someone and i would learn to say their name but our brain making that split second decision goes no no yes no 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 yes no and if you look at those two piles they are there are some very similar things happening in your yes pile which leads back to the whole concept of creating that environment, hiring for our differences. So if we, um, the leader, if she does hire for diversity, creates a team around her, her who thinks differently, who maybe looks differently, has different opinions, different schooling, et cetera, then hopefully she's surrounded by people at the table who may be causing her to wonder, why did you put this resume aside? Yes. Because and she's going to continue to learn and grow from those people around you, especially if you are a leader that can set up like a psychologically safe space to be challenged. Learning how to be challenged is a really, really important leadership skill, I believe. Like, I think everybody says they're open to feedback, but actually being open to feedback from your employees and actually letting them say, we think you're making the wrong call. What if we did this? Like, that is that is not an easy thing for people to do. Um, it's not a natural thing for people to do, but I, I do, again, really believe it sets leaders and organizations apart when you can actually do that, when you can actually collaborate as a team and it's okay to tell your boss, I think this is a bad idea. Well, and, and there it is again, there's, there's the innovation. If we can't debate, yes. I, um, I always say, Melissa, I don't have any swag for, um, for my company, but I always think if it was a water bottle, I always imagine it's going to be a water bottle one of these days and it's <laughs> going to have like overflow on it or something. Um, but I think my tagline would be open lines of communication. Like I think people have such cool taglines to, to promote and to reinforce with teams. And I think it's, I don't think it's complicated. I think just open the lines of communication. And as long as we communicate with respect and, and, it's because we have our vision, our goal, our client at our heart, then, then, you know, I think we should all be able to share our voice, share our opinion. doesn't mean you're always right or you're always going to win, but I do think it should be open lines. If we're always going to say, 
you know, if the boss always says it's blue, it's blue. And we say, yeah, it's always, it's always blue. Then it's always going to be that way. But if she and he are open to just open lines of communication, then and even understanding as a leader that your team is already biased to say yes to you, right? So holding back your recommendation for last, like there's lots of really simple things you can tactfully do because I think we ask our leaders to be engaging and we ask them to be inclusive and we ask them to like be all of these things, but we don't actually give them skills. Like we don't actually say, if you do this, it will help your team feel more safe, right? We just ask them to make sure that their team feels safe. Like it's really not realistic, but I love your tagline. Mine is um, inclusion unlocks the power of your team's diversity. Cause it's really, you can hire for diversity all you want, but then if you ask them to show up in their sameness, then why did you even bother? Like it's not helping you at all. Right. So give it to me again. So inclusion is the key to unlocking your, the power of your team's diversity. I love it. I love that there's a concept of unlocking, like mm-hmm. unlocking freely without judgment with power like no levels just unlocking the team so that we can for so many organizations there already is this organic diversity not enough like there does need to be very specific hiring practices as part of your strategy but you already have diversity most organizations already have a good deal of diversity not always at the top but they have it so really it is about not going, oh, we need to start from the beginning and hire a bunch of different people. No, you need to set up an environment for your team to already, who's already there to thrive and to succeed and to grow their careers and to be your executives of the future instead of keeping replacing them with other people that from outside that look the same. This is why, this is why I'm, I'm getting calls saying, you've got to get Melissa on this podcast, <laughs> hear her voice. I so appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Where can, um, where can people find you if they need to reach you? Because I'm sure people are wondering, how do I get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the one and only, I do this Google search every once in a while. So, so far I am the one and only Melissa Marcellison. It's a unique last name. So you can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And then I do have a, uh, a Facebook page just under, again, my name, Melissa Marcellison, so that you can follow my business page. Thank you. And I'll, and I'll put that in the, in the show notes too. And I'm always wondering if you could go back to your 21 year old self, or if you had a young person in front of you, maybe they're done their school, but they're starting their career. They're starting to work. What advice would you have for them today? Oof. Um, I would say, stop trying to fit in. That would be the advice I would give myself. Stop trying to assume that everybody else's path is your path and get really comfortable in what makes you different because that is truly what will make you successful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think we all need, we all should hear that. Yeah, I agree. Cause we do. It's so interesting, right? That we try and fit in and actually we're much more interesting and unique to, exactly. to not fit in. Exactly. And when you try and be like everything to everyone, you're nothing to anyone, right? Like you're just, forgettable unfortunately you're just like the next person that comes along that's trying to fit in so if you can find your you know where you add the most value and how you stand out and lean the heck 
into that, it will accelerate your success, your career, your relationships, your like you'll know where you belong and where you don't. And that's okay. That's a great thing. It is a great thing. It is a great thing. And and it's true. Like what a shame that we try and fit in rather than um, stand out. Gosh, I had a, I had a train of thought there that I was going to say about the um, stop trying to fit in. I've lost it now. Um, yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Thank you. What about, do you have a book or a podcast? Do you have something that you are listening or reading lately that you would recommend to us? Yeah. My very favorite podcast right now is too legitimate to quit with Annie P Ruggles. And she is just so real and raw and hilarious. And every episode she, um, her guest ties in a piece of pop culture to like why they do what they do. And it's just super funny and light. Um, but also a reality check every time because it is again about bringing who you are um, is what actually sets you apart gets you ahead and we seem to figure that out a little bit later in life unfortunately so I wish that every 21 year old would hear that and go it's okay to be me and I think they're actually better at it than we were speaking kind of in general generational terms but you think about the great resignation it's because they get it they get that life isn't about working tirelessly at a job that you don't love it's about finding your passion and your purpose and going after it like that's what it's about and maybe having a laugh like maybe having a pause to have a laugh I love how you say hilarious because I think we are so serious even though we're here like on zoom in my living room there's still a element of seriousness like um at work and and in life with the pandemic everyone's got a lot of worries on their mind yeah. And so that's a great, so too legitimate to quit. With Annie P. Ruggles, yes. Awesome. That's great. That's great. Thank you. And how are you living in your overflow these days? Uh, just kind of getting back to it. Just like yeah. everybody else, the pandemic was certainly hard. My life came to a screeching halt because I was in school at the time. So I was spending a weekend every month in class and Toronto. That, of course, went to Zoom. Um, I was commuting back and forth to Michigan because my partner lived there at the time. That, of course, came to a screaming halt. So it was a lot of recovery for me over the last year. And I do really feel so excited because just over the last six months that I've re-become myself, like I've regained all that kind of momentum I had from the, the couple of years before COVID. And for me, it's just, does it give me joy? Yes, then I'm going to go do it, right? And I learned something um, from the person who taught me the Fascinate program. When I did her course, she she the intake was, um, what would you do if you were not afraid? And I literally wrote down, I'm too afraid to write it down. <laughs> and then on week four or five, I called her and I said, I did the thing I couldn't write down. And she said, all right, write down what's next. So that's what I do now. I write down what's next. Like, what am I afraid to do that would bring me so much joy and make me so happy and be good for me? And then I go do it. And then I write down the next thing. And then I go do it. And then I write down the next thing. Wow. What a great tip. What a great tip. You're, <laughs> you're role modeling for us, right, Melissa? Like this, this is it. That the, the overflow, when I think about the woman that's listening to this, I really do think about someone exactly like you who is high achieving, making a difference, doing what you love and doing it, like I would say unapologetically and at the next level, like even though it's been a pandemic, even though everything that we're worried about, the teams we worry about, the people in our lives, all the things, they're still achieving more. Like they are the high achiever and, and 
I don't know how else to say it other than unapologetically. Like, yeah, but also if you forgot who you were, because I did, I probably spent six or nine months and and went one day, but like, this is not who I am. I am not the person that is spending this this pandemic in bed. No, like I am not this person. But if it took you six months to figure that out, that's okay. Like remember who you are and get back up and start writing down that thing you need to do next and then go do it because it brings you joy and it brings you purpose and it makes you happy Go do it challenge number two so (laughs) challenge number two is what are you really scared of that bring that would bring bring you great joy and your challenge is to a write it down yes some of them i always try and go intermittently through between easy things or like shorter term things and longer term things. Cause it keeps me going. So, okay. yeah, I love it. And then once that's done, what's right the, next? the next thing? Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And listen, all the best to vision leadership. I hope people do reach out to you on LinkedIn and on your social media. And I would say a year from now, we need to have a follow-up conversation about how awesome you are, how, how big your team has gotten and how you are changing the world. Because, um, the feedback that I'm getting just through mutual friends, do you know this woman, Melissa, she's inspiring us. You need to have her on your podcast, like for that to come through. And for me to say, actually, I know Melissa. And, and so for that big wave to come, that's really impacting people. And she is a leader, her and her team, like you're doing great things. And I can't even imagine what a year will bring for you. So thank wishing you, thank you all the best. Yeah. Great. You too. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Yeah. I hope this podcast feels like a guide in your ear, encouraging a shift in your mindset, boldly challenging you to stretch self-care goals and continue to strive and achieve big accomplishments in life because you're not here to be average. You're here to be awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Overflow. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any comments, ideas, or feedback, you can find me on my website, peoplebrain.ca. Thanks so much for listening.